Thank you for being on another episode of Showbread. Because it's fresh. Because it's fresh. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fresh, man. It's, it's fresh. good. It's good. It's, it's fresh. the goods right there. We have Pastor Drew here today. Pastor Drew, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. It's been a great morning. Yeah. It's going to be a great evening. It's awesome. been a good week. The Lord's doing great things. We got a baptism tomorrow. Baptism. One next week. I love seeing. Man. Hungry souls for Jesus. That's Coming right. to know him. That's right. You know, Pastor Drew, we do a lot of baptisms here at RCA. Oh, man. Hey, this will be Why? five weeks in a row now. Why is that? Well, the great commandment is go there for make disciples baptizing. So we That's do right. stress it. We push it. A wise man, yourself, uh-huh. once emphasized putting the baptismal on the stage, <laughs> turning it towards the congregation. And so it's a very special moment. Mm-hmm. And people celebrate. Jesus is changing lives. Amen. We have a church in a very dark place where there are a lot of unchurched, unborn again people. They are coming. They are getting born again, and therefore they ought to be baptized. Absolutely. So if we're doing the work of the Lord, mm-hmm. it, it ought to be fruitful. That's right. Thank you, Pastor Drew. Uh, well, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast and if you've been waiting for the release of the podcast each week, uh, we've been talking about uh, different elements, different things in the Bible, earth, wind, fire, different things that... That God uses to show himself here on earth and uh, to inspire us and to just rule over all of nature. Uh, today, Pastor Drew, I have a couple questions for you. It's a little different today. Wonderful. We're, we're not talking so much about so much we're not talking so much about the elements. We're talking more about your job. Your hey, job your job as a pastor, Pastor Drew. Um, Pastor, tell us a little bit about and this is for people that maybe want to get to know what, what pastors do, what our pastor does at Riverside Christian Assembly. Or if you want to or want to be in the ministry and, and think about going that route, like Pastor Drew is going to be here with us today, like you're sitting right there, and you're going to be answering some questions for us. Pastor Drew, tell us a little bit about your job as a pastor. Oh, it is a joy. I feel like the Lord has called me to pastor. The word pastor means the shepherd, so a lot of it has to do with interacting with people, doing our best to take good care of people, mm-hmm. spiritually speaking. Okay. So a lot of the job ought to be out of the book of Acts. It says the disciples, they dedicated themselves to prayer. So a big part of my job is to pray. And okay. sometimes, believe it or not, a lot of things want to encroach on my prayer life. So I have to protect my time in prayer. That often means getting up early and study of the Word. So i got to spend a lot of time reading the Bible. And so i got to dedicate blocks of time to study, blocks of time to praying, praying for the people. Obviously, I get to preach, and I love preaching. That's probably my favorite part. But to preach requires a lot of preparation and time in prayer. Also, there's a lot of people that come to the church and they have problems. Some people need counseling. They want counsel. They want spiritual guidance. So there is an element of time that I, I take with people in my office and couples in my office. Um, we also have to make a lot of plans. You know, we have outreaches. We have different groups. Mm-hmm. So a lot of pastoring today, I think, is overseeing. Mm-hmm. And that's a word for elder. Uh, presbytery is an overseer. Mm-hmm. So we do have to do that. We have to manage okay. the different youth groups, worship teams, men's program, women's program, whatever the programs are. We're kind of like a principal in a lot of ways. So okay. there's the study spiritual aspect. There's the people problem aspect. Mm-hmm. There's the seeing the, the system governing an assembly, governing a community. Yeah. Uh, so that's an element of it. So it really has a lot of faces to it, which honestly... It's a little unfortunate in our day and age. Pastors have to do a lot of things. Yes, they do. And um, if you've ever been to Riverside Christian Assembly, I encourage you to come check it out. Pastor Drew, you're a wonderful pastor to me awesome and my family. Well, I love you guys. Yeah, you've been a fantastic pastor here for the congregants of Riverside Christian Assembly. Um, if you don't know, Pastor Drew, can you tell us how many people are on staff at Riverside Christian Assembly? Well, full-time <laughs> staff right full-time now. Full-time staff. This myself. Okay. 
Uh, we have some dynamic, powerful. Okay. Mm-hmm. I am so refreshed by our interns. They do Absolutely. an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Nathan the Interminator, Jesus Fontes. Mm-hmm. Oh, they are good brothers that love Jesus and serve well. Uh, we have a wonderful cleaning staff. That does a great job. This place is brand new every week. Absolutely. We've got a good guy that, that runs the, the maintenance. We do have um, a lot of lay hours, a lot of volunteer hours that go into this place, yourself included. We have great preachers, great teachers, but in terms of compensated full-time staff with an expectation of 40 plus hours a week, Mm -hmm. dedicated, priority one is the church. That's, that would be myself. Pastor Drew, you have a very difficult job. And I think, I think people out there that are listening that want to be a pastor, it's not an easy job. I've seen you, Pastor Drew, work tireless hours. When we first started the church, when you first started the church here, you were doing a Bible study pretty much every every single, day, <laughs> every single day, uh, you know, and, and you're still doing Bible studies. You still have the same vigor of when we first started at Genevieve North yeah. till right now. And we are very fortunate to have the volunteers, to have the interns, to have someone like Carol. Oh, Carol's like on fire. Nene, you know, oh, you know. And Kathleen, you see, she's editing. Yeah. We meet with her every week. She edits our newsletter. Yeah. We crank out a newsletter each and every mm-hmm. week with the church. Yeah. There's so many good stories that we want to share. I do think, though, a lot of pastors burn out. I think most pastors last about two years in a church. Most pastors, I think it was 83% I read the other day, say pastoring negatively affects their family. It's a hard job. You have to be called. You have to love it. It has to be what you would do if you didn't get paid. And I I would do it. I, I love getting to preach. And you know what? It's hard when people leave. It's hard when people don't show up because you love the people. If you love the people, like tonight, there's so many winners I get to see tonight. Then we're going to play darts, eat some tacos afterward, tomorrow. I'm telling you, there's so many people that just, they bring such life with them. Mm -hmm. So to be a a key part of their life, to get to do the weddings, to get to do memorial and funeral services, it really is an honor to Mm -hmm. be a part of a community like that. But it's hard because people make a lot of bad choices. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people come to church when they're at a low point in their life. Yeah. And people that have lived years of unfaithfulness, they've sown seeds of, of sinful habits and mm-hmm. you know bad relationships, and then they want to change. They come to church. Church is a great change agent. Yes. I've seen many people that were on drugs. Then they're not on drugs when they come yeah. to Christ, and they live totally different lives. And so it does take a long time to get a track record of mm-hmm. faithfulness. And so pastoring is filled with disappointments. Mm-hmm. It's filled with people that drop out. And after a while, some pastors decide, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop out. Yeah, A lot of pastors are bivocational. They have to work another job. I, I was so fortunate. Valley Christian Assembly mm-hmm. sent my wife and I to Riverside to start a church. And they yeah. funded us for about 10 years yeah, thank God. so the church could get on its feet. <laughs> 10, yeah. years, 10 years. Yeah. They funded us and we sent them the offerings. But it was a great investment they Mm-hmm. Made in the kingdom. Absolutely. So not everybody has that opportunity, but with that opportunity, we had better reach souls. We had better establish a local congregation. And I do think there's some special things about being a founding pastor. Now, you've been with the church a long time. Yeah. You've seen some people come, some people go. Mm-hmm. You've seen some people come back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, I even myself came and go. I had to move back to Valley. <laughs> I went back to Pine Desert Lakeith and I came back, you know, and so... Pastor Drew, I think I want to ask you a question. When you sure. first started the church, and say it's at JW North High School, what was the attendance like? What was the attendance uh, like? <laughs> good day was like, you know, 18. 18 people? Uh, all from Valley? All from the desert? <laughs> all from Life Bible? Yeah, well, Life yeah. Bible College, that's where I went. And some of the fellow students would come. 
And then we reached some runaways and we reached a couple of families and the attendance in the early days, uh, for the first couple of months, we'd get some of my college friends would come, some people from Valley. But after a few months, the excitement, it made it harder to travel that far. Yeah. And so we settled into a lot of neighborhood runaway kids, mm-hmm. a lot of parolees. And when I say a lot, I, I say percentage-wise. Because yeah. you're talking 18, 20, 25 people. Mm-hmm. So it was slow, steady growth. That, that's been our track record. Yeah. Even year 14, year we're, we're getting close to the 15th year. And that's still the track record, slow, steady growth. Mm-hmm. And so in those early days, I remember we had everybody meet on one side of the lecture hall. Yeah. And as more people grew over the years, slowly, finally, I remember the day where I put the podium in the middle of the room yeah. and everybody cheered and clapped. We had maybe 50, 60 people were there. And then after that five years, we moved to a huge hall. Yeah. Probably could have sat four or 500 people. Yeah. Long rectangle. And of course, everybody sits in the back. Yeah. So people say, Pastor, you got a good voice. Well, I needed a good voice. I, we didn't even use a microphone in those yeah. days. And so I would echo it down. And oh, it was good, good practice. And like you said, doing Bible studies almost every day, sometimes two a day. Yeah. No, going to people's lot. houses and McDonald's and Wendy's and this park and that park and that neighborhood. It was really good to get a lot of reps in. Mm-hmm. And you know, in those days, I loved the Bible. I loved preaching. I still do. And I loved the people. I loved doing it. And so it was a joy. It wasn't like a burden, like, oh, I got to do this. You know, we could have done less. Mm-hmm. And we might even had more results. Sometimes not all activity is progress. Sometimes it's just motion. <laughs> yeah. But the Lord knew that we were trying our best. And, yeah. and you know, you win some here and you, you eventually win some faithful people that you can build on. And it took a long time, but we were young. You know, I was 22 years old when we started the church. And so I'm really thankful for all those years of experience yeah. that have culminated. And I can't wait to, to really get started, you know. You know, Pastor Drew, you know, I, I look back at the times where we were doing, we didn't have a building. So we're, we're like literally doing it remotely every, <laughs> every week. Every week is remotely. We had a van full of sound equipment. We'd take it and pick everyone up in the van. Everyone got busted, you know, JW North. And... I remember watching, you know, you, Pastor Drew, I remember watching you, you know, just, just working, you know, meeting people and being excited for new things. And it's funny, Pastor, I was just thinking, I was telling Danny, my wife, just maybe a couple weeks ago, you have the same excitement to meet those same, to meet same people, you know, and, and you said the statistic, you know, like some pastors only make it to two years, you know, you know, to be fortunate, to be sent out, to be fully funded for 10 years, but some people get sent out with the whole team of people and funding yeah. for this. And what do you think stands out? What do you think so different? What, you know, I guess it's the question is calling, I guess I'm, I'm really yeah. trying to ask what, tell me about your calling. Why is it so deep rooted for you? And, and maybe some other people, I'm not trying to say anything about others, you know, different circumstances happen, but for you, someone that wants to be a pastor out there, that's listening, pastor, can you tell us a little bit why your calling is so deep? And so you have the same excitement 14 yeah. years ago to today. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is the passion and what gives me fulfillment. I found that flow zone. I found mm. the element that I enjoy the most that gives me satisfaction is preaching the gospel. I love getting behind the pulpit. I like the hours of preparation. I like knowing I have a message that's going to affect people. Mm-hmm. And so even on Sunday afternoons, if there's a low attendance or disappointments or trouble in the congregation, I'm already looking forward to next week. I'm going to get them next week then. Uh, the, the, the thunder of the Lord is going to crackle. We're going to get them. We're going to win them. Yeah. So I think finding the exact thing that I love to do. I was at this retreat one time with this other church a couple of years ago. My cousin, and I love my cousin. He's really good to me. And uh, so we were there, and they had like this guru guy. He was a life coach. I never met a life coach before then. 
And he looked in the room, maybe 12 of us that were in this group, and he said, do you know who you are? Raise your hand. I'll raise my hand. A couple of us did. And they said, do you really know who you are? And now maybe four guys have their hand left. And then he looks with these beady eyes, look like Judge Mills Lane, if you can picture him. <laughs> really ripped, kind of older yeah. guy, stared down all of us. Do you really, really know who you are? Yeah. And I was the only one with my hand still up. Mm-hmm. He goes, who are you? So I'm a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, there you go. And he goes, with that. he said, well, what if nobody came to your church? And I said, funny thing. We had a, a Wednesday night meeting the other day. And it was time to start. And there was nobody there. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, what'd you do? And I go, I opened my Bible. I said the opening prayer and I started preaching. And he's, everybody kind of started laughing. And people came in. People eventually came to service. But I said, brother, I really believe that I'm called by God. And so if people don't attend, that doesn't mean I do it for the people. And so one of the things that sustained me is I believe the Lord watches me. And I have to give an account for what I did with my time. And if that means the Lord gets glory and is worshipped by the preaching of the gospel, well, that's a high calling. Mm -hmm. And so to do that not for men or not for profit or not like some hireling, Mm -hmm. but to do it as a calling, as an act of worship to God. So everybody has an act of worship they ought to do for God. The other day, I was going to mention this tonight, we're going to start a prison ministry at the downtown jail. And the deputy asked me, he said, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to go? You don't have any gang affiliations. You don't have any history of, yeah. of this kind of lifestyle or culture. Why do you want to go to the jails? And I said, ma'am, I love preaching the gospel. Mm. And this is going to be another opportunity yeah. to preach the gospel to hungry hearts. And we will see Jesus move. And then I told her, I serve a great God. Mm. And I think preaching in a jail is going to give God a lot of glory. So to answer your question... I think we must find those things that give us fulfillment and satisfaction in doing them. Mm-hmm. Where we're creative, we're excited, where we look forward to it. What, what are you daydreaming about? When I was about 13, 14, I realized that was preaching. And mm-hmm. so, when you pastor a church, you can have as many services as you want. Like, yeah. we got service tonight. Yeah, yeah. We got two tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying we need all those services. Yeah. There's room to grow. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but yeah, I, th- I think so. And you love preaching the gospel too. I do. You know, Pastor Drew, I think you said something there that's resonated with me for a long time. I remember a long time ago you said those same words. Like, because yeah. I remember attendance was low and, you know, it was hard. You know, like it was more kids than adults sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, and kids are from all the day, from all over the neighborhood. I think you said that one time. I don't know if you said it on a Sunday, but I think we met later on that week and you said, you know, if there was one person or nobody, I'm still going to preach. And that resonated with me. Even times where I'm doing Bible studies yeah. and people that said they're going to show up don't show up or you know i'm preaching on sunday you had to miss it's low <laughs> and i'm thinking to myself you know it's not for you know, i'm not trying to impress anyone i'm trying right. to you know if no one showed up if one person showed up i'm going to preach the gospel because this is what i need to do right now we <laughs> have to be faithful stewards mm-hmm. when the master returns who will he find still serving mm-hmm. and so I, it's been a great journey but the lord has given us some really good people Mm-hmm. We work with the down and out, the downcast, the parolees, yeah. the runaway youth. And I think the Lord's saying, hey, if we'll be faithful with those that can't contribute much, don't have a lot of influence. You know, one of the things that worries me a little bit is the rise of the megachurch. Mm-hmm. The pastor's job changes now. Mm-hmm. We have to be marketers. We have to be managers. We have to be programmers. Yeah. We have to be fashion experts. We have yeah. to be uh, almost mini celebrities. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to worry about what does our feed look like? What do our clothes look like? Should we get a glass pulpit? Should we call it a pulpit? Should we call it a sermon? Yeah. I, I don't like any of that. Mm-hmm. I, I, the marketing thing, I want to get the word out better because we have a great content. I, absolutely we do. So I want to get the word out better. Mm-hmm. But 
it's unfortunate to me that pastors now become so many more things. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have to compete yeah. with the internet holding everybody's attention, with phones holding everybody's attention. Southern California here. They got all the beach, the mountains, all these sports teams. We compete against everything. Yeah. And we ask a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so if lives are not changed by the preaching of the gospel, mm-hmm. we're just pushing air. Yeah. So we need Jesus. And I think for a lot of people, pastor in a church is a high pressure situation. Yeah. Where if you do a bad job right now, you know, there's some states, some Trump churches are established. People are going to come no matter what. Yeah. But, man, I've seen us have guest speakers and people just walk out. I mean, that's not good, yeah. man. But we have to win them. Yeah. And so I'm still passionate about that. But I have you seen a change, a shifting? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And what pastors used to preach, mm-hmm. visit at the hospital. Now, I yeah. mean, it's like their assistants, assistants, associate. I've seen, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I think, you know, pastors, you know, the one thing I really love about this church that I know a lot of churches out there like say they're real and <laughs> say yeah. they're authentic or come and check it out. This is the real version of us. But I really truly believe here at Riverside Christian Seminary, this is the real people yeah. really being transformed through the power and the word of God. And so um, I think, you know, I was just using the, the facilities, the restrooms, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, man, I love being here. I love yeah. being at this church. We got the pews. And just, you know, I was just daydreaming, you know, like I was talking to my wife, what if we move out of state? What if we go somewhere, you know, what church would we go to? You right. know, I was I can't, if I'm not in California, I can't come here, you know? And I was thinking, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what church we'd go to. You know, I've hard. Only, it'd be hard because I've only went to Valley Christian Assembly and Riverside <laughs> Christian Assembly. And I love Riverside Christian Assembly and I've seen the growth and I've seen lives transformed. My own life has been Amen. transformed. Pastor, I have a question for sure. you. In your, in how long have you been in ministry? For first question, how long have you been in ministry? Well, we started the church when I was 22. I'm 36 now, so I've gotten to be a full-time pastor that time. Before that, I was in college, but when I was about 13, 14, got really born again and on fire, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We started doing some music ministry and preaching. So, I, I mean, I guess in a sense, that was kind of part-time ministry. There was a lot. It wasn't paid to it, mm-hmm. but we did get to preach a lot and travel a lot and do some missionary trips. And So it's been, uh, you know, I'd say... 20 plus years. 20 plus years. So let's just say, you know, here at Riverside Christian Assembly, probably, let's say, you know, with the think recruiting the year before you guys came out, probably 15 years of being the pastor here. Right? Sure. 15 years. Yeah. How many people you think, and I'm not trying to say this to gloat or right. for numbers. I just want to know, like, from me to you, how many lives do you think you've impacted? How many lives do you think as a pastor? Because, you know, we have the congregants that come here that get the word and they learn and they get discipled by you and your message. And how many people do you think? You know, just ballpark. You know, because this is a couple thousand at least. A couple thousand people. But you know what? The Lord is good at hiding fruit from us. Yeah. He doesn't want us to be proud. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we don't know how far the seeds that we get to sow go. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. I think that's okay. But, you know, just just today I was so blessed by. uh, young man that, that I hadn't seen in years and he messaged me saying, hey, I want to come back to church. Last week I was at Castle Park with some of the youth and a young man that I, I uh, got to baptize and I hadn't seen in years. He came up to me and said, hey, this is my wife, these are my kids, yeah. hey, we're going to start coming back to church. You know, you sometimes I keep my nose to the plow. Mm-hmm. So I try, let's, let's read some tonight, let's read some now. But I, I want to be that seed that goes in the ground and, and brings forth a hundredfold. We serve a great God. We do. And moving to this city, 
You know, there's some great missionaries didn't get to see any fruitfulness. And yet they were still faithful. And the next generation got to see it. They sowed the seeds. We, we're watering seeds. We're reaping a harvest. Mm-hmm. Think about so, Moses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Think Great Bible characters, man. He had to put up with those whiners, backbiters. Yeah. Finally got them to the promised land. Think, think of Noah, man. That guy preached for <laughs> yeah. like 100 years. No converts. But he still preached. Yeah. And so I think it does come down to faithfulness, to loving the Lord and finding that faithfulness to it. But it is exciting to see lives changed. And it's exciting. There's a couple of young people I can think of that baptized recently that we were praying for them for a couple of years. And, you know, kind of nominal coming. And then they get born again. and They're on fire for Jesus. It's exciting, man. And, you know, in this time, I'm raising my kids. They're still young. My wife is still recovering. And she's got this back disease that's been really hard on her. And so it, I'm not one of those 83% that says the church has a negative effect on my family. I'm in that 17% that says, thank God for the church. Amen. I had a wonderful family drop by my house, drop off some food. I had a wonderful, Miss Jeannie came by and dropped off some food last night. I mean, we have so many blessed church people that demonstrate their love to us. And so not only do I get to shepherd a community, but I really feel like I'm a part of it. I'm a recipient. Yeah. Of people's love and blessing. Yeah. And so, you know, you're saying how many people have we impacted? I've been impacted by the people we've impacted. Oh, Does that make nice. sense? It's beautiful. It's, it's a it. joy to be the it. shepherd of, yeah. a, of a great church. Absolutely, Pastor. Tell us talk about your family a little bit, Pastor. Talk about, you know, the struggles with, with Jeannie and her disease. And talk a little yeah. bit about that. I think some people that may not know, people that might be listening, not know about your wife and how tough that's been for you and how ministry has changed or, or got stronger Well, you know experience. what? She's got what's called an adhesive arachnoiditis, which is a spine disease. She had some tarlop cysts, which we had surgery for. And uh, so she's she lays down the vast majority of the day, and she's in a lot of pain. So be praying. We need God to heal her. It's he been uh, a difficulty with um, medicines and pain it management. Great. It was great seeing Jeannie on Christmas. Oh, she came Christmas to that Christmas Eve, Eve service. She wanted to be here so bad. Yeah. She stood up for some, then she had to lay flat yeah, for a while. Yeah, it was good seeing her. But it's been, you know, thank you. You preached. Pastor Manny preached. We had some great preachers come fill in. I took a month off during her surgery on from Easter Sunday to uh, Mother's Day <laughs> yeah. in a prime time spot, man. <laughs> but it was it was good for my family. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've come close. We pray together. Uh, you know, I love her more every day. And she has been making things for the church. She did that wonderful sticker for us. She's yeah. a great designer. She's a beautiful soul. And she loves the Lord. And she loves the church. It's hard because she misses being involved. She did a ton here. Yes. And so we miss her <laughs> yeah, a lot as a congregation. And we're going to get her back. But for my family, my kids have been very helpful, very kind to each other. They get along. We like them. <laughs> yeah. They're kind to my wife. Uh, it's been a challenge. How, how, how old are though. your kids? Maybe some listeners might not know. Uh, my oldest will be 13 at the end of the month, and I got an 11-year-old son, a 7-year-old daughter, and a, a 5-year-old son. My my other son, my oldest son, he plays basketball, so he's he got a season going last there night. There you go. He led the game in fouls. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I told him. I told he's him. awesome, man. I told him. He's so fun to watch. Yeah. He was diving on the ball. Good. Oh man, you know what? See, that's what I'm talking about. Like, life right now has a lot of big challenges. Mm-hmm. But the challenges aren't without joy. Mm-hmm. And they're not without support. We need Jesus. I need God to heal my wife. So every time that altar's open, we seek God for it. And the people are seeking God for it. And she's seeking God for it. You know, the hard part is I feel bad because she's in pain. Mm. You know, we, we can talk about what 
she did or contributed or job, but that's not. I wish she wasn't in pain. That's hard. It's hard to see people you love in pain. Mm -hmm. And uh, so people are praying, but uh, she's a delight, man. She's fighting. She's a, she's a warrior. She's got an inner strength, and she's got a deep love. And that love for God and love for others is deepening. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. so she, she's, my, she's my advisor. She's my counsel. That's good. I, 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 she makes me a better person every day. I tell there you, you go. That's awesome, Pastor Drew. And so... We, you know, we'd be praying for Jeannie. You know, oh, me and my family pray for Jeannie. I know the congregants pray for Jeannie. And so we're, we're, we are expecting a healing Amen. from God. Um, Pastor Drew, some, just if you can give a tip to someone out there that, that wanted, maybe pursuing the ministry, maybe a young preacher, maybe someone that is listening to this message. They had that dream a long time ago and they're listening to it now. And maybe they want to spark up that thing. What's some advice? Let's talk about some advice that yeah. you could give to maybe a preacher, someone that wants to be a pastor, you know, what's some advice that you have? It's a great question. Well, I would say that if you have a desire, it, first of all, it says, if a man desires to be a deacon, elder, overseer, then that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people have that desire. Yeah. So if you're willing to preach, to stand up in front of people and speak, that's like the number one fear. It is so you are odd, my friend. <laughs> yeah. And you should take that oddness as a sign. Mm -hmm. And if you love God and you love public speaking or preaching, then that's you're on the right track to want to get in ministry. Yeah. I would say a few things. Number one, you must, must, must be faithful to a local church. Absolutely. If you are not faithful to yes. a local church, then I don't think you have a lot of business leading a local church. Yeah. And I would give a caution to those that go away to Bible college. I went away to Bible college 70 miles, 110 miles or so from my house. And every weekend I drove back both ways. Why? Because I needed to be plugged into that church. And then when I graduated, that church sent me. So if you're not faithful to a local church, uh, you're missing the mark already. So number one, be faithful. Ask yeah. your pastor if you can meet with him. Be mentored by him. And then try different facets of the ministry. Teach Sunday school one week. Ask if you can help with the youth group. Be an usher. Learn as much as you can. And you're not going to like some things. I taught Sunday yeah. school one week and I, I hated it and I was terrible <laughs> at it. So this is not for me. But now yeah. I know what goes into it. I know it's supposed to happen. Likewise, try the youth. So try, try, try as many different things as you can in the context of a local church. Mm -hmm. I would also say a lot of people want to go away for Bible college, for Bible classes. That's good. That's, some young people need more time to develop. I did. Mm -hmm. And ask yourself, what are you expecting to get out of this? Read the Bible every day. Spend time in prayer every day. If you don't have the discipline of daily Bible reading and time in prayer set aside, then all the grades in the world aren't going to help you. It's not going to come from academia. Mm -hmm. In our fellowship of churches, the local church ordains. Now, there's denominations you could go to with a degree or with different grades, and they might be impressed by that. Yeah. But we are impressed by people of character that are proving themselves. Where? At the local church. Absolutely. So if you want to get in ministry, you need to find a church, talk to a pastor. Mm -hmm. Say, well, the church is too big. You know, I can't get a hold of the pastor. You know, I'm not familiar with the route that you should take. I think you should find a, a way to get to that pastor. Yeah. Or you should find a church that can use you and get, get plugged in and involved. Yeah. So I would say it's much more through trying and testing and mentorship. Mm -hmm. Paul says a lot about that to Timothy, saying, You know my motivation. You know my manner of life. You know my doctrine. You know me. And so these things are, are caught more than taught. Mm -hmm. Jesus spent time with the disciples. Mm -hmm. Have you not known me? If you've known me, you've known the Father. So if you want to get into ministry and pastoring, it's so contextual. And Rubido here is a different context. We have 
UFC Poker Night. We have darts and tacos. We have dodgeball. We had paintball yeah. for a year. Yeah. And you can't get away with that stuff no, everywhere. No. I mean, we do a lot of fun stuff. We do. And the neighborhood loves that. So we have yeah. free martial arts. You can't go everywhere and win souls with free martial arts. Yeah. So you have to kind of learn where you are, learn the people. Pastoring is about God and people mm. and preaching the word of God. That's kind of the bridge. Mm-hmm. So I hope, does that make a good sense? That makes sense. I, I, I like what you said, Pastor Drew, because I feel like... If you're not already serving already, you know what I mean? And you're going to college. I know a lot of people that just went from high school to Bible college and expected some crazy thing to happen to them. And they ended up finding out that ministry wasn't for them (laughs) after four years of spending at Bible college. Wasn't for them. And, uh, you know, if you're someone that wants to to go to Bible college, that's cool. You know, you can learn. Like, right, you can learn the Bible. Bible college is great. When I was at Bible college, it was only a Bible college back then. Yeah. And only five years after graduating, only something like 8% were in the ministry. Mm-hmm. What happened in 92? <laughs> yeah. well, they became Sunday school teachers. They got a full-time job, something else. Yeah. They became great people. They met wonderful people. A lot of them got married to people they met in Bible college. A lot of great things happened. Mm-hmm. But you're so right. If you are not locked and loaded into yeah. a local church. Yeah. Like I, I am very fortunate to be, you know, there's times where I wanted to roll in the Bible college to learn more of the Bible. But right. I am very fortunate to be able to to be here at Riverside Christian Assembly from the beginning, to be able to Amen. do every aspect of Every the aspect, man. You know, and I think, you know, I have a good grasp, but I think if I went to Bible college now, I, have a, I would have a better grasp of if I wanted to start a church or just yeah. continue at the church I'm at here, you know? And I think, you know, I've seen, I know people that went to four years of Bible college and they got back and they just, they became worse Christians. <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know this whole God thing anymore. No, I'm just joking. But, you know, they were second guessing things and, and now maybe winning people. And I think that, I think you said, and you say it a lot, Pastor Drew, was winning people. Yeah. Wise men win souls. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Just for a brief second. I know we're, this is the last segment, but no, it's okay. I love, you know, I love winning people. I know yeah. you love winning people. Let's talk to, you know, the, the listeners out there, the, the podcast. Can you talk a little bit about what winning is? What does that mean? And why is that exciting? Why is it exciting for me and you? Why is that exciting for us? Well, the joy of salvation. When somebody puts their faith in Jesus and they're born again, this is God working in their life. And then they can really change. I mean, there's a power that comes upon people to break free of addiction, break free of sinful habits. More than that, to begin living a life of kindness and forgiveness and love and good deeds ahead. And so it really begins, we call it winning, when somebody prays that prayer of salvation that acknowledges that there is a God, that believes that God is, that God sent His Son Jesus, died on the cross, was buried, rose from the dead, and then they ask God, who they can't see, yeah, to have a relationship with them, that they could be born again in the Spirit of God, come into their spirit. And the preaching of the gospel, it says, is the power of God unto salvation. And so one of the main reasons we preach is to see people that didn't know Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, be born again. Another reason we preach is because preaching produces disciples. We teach them how to live the righteous life, how to live right with God. And so as people change, the word of God is like food to them. And the preaching of the good news of Jesus, when we open the Bible and declare it, it's like nourishment to them. And so the excitement for us is, as they catch it, as they get excited, as their life begins to make better decisions, the kingdom of God is expanding through them. God gets more glory. And, and I guess you're right. I mean, if, if I'm a Lakers fan and my, my friend or my neighbor becomes a Laker fan, would I be all excited about it? Mm, it's not quite the same as 
winning people over to the excitement about what you're excited about, mm-hmm. I'd say it's more likened to having a child. How great was it when you had kids? Absolutely amazing. When, when you adopt a kid after you've really wanted to, and and then that child gets to be raised in your ways, take your last name, and, and you get to see that child come alive. And mm-hmm. So adding to God's family, adding to our family, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it, you know, there's more love, there's more to do. And I think it's the reason we were placed on this earth in large degree is that the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the rule of God, the glory of God, the power of God, to see it expand into other people's lives through the preaching of the gospel. I love it, Pastor Drew. I think for me, the most exciting thing, the most fulfilling thing is one, having children. That was fulfilling. And then two, it's to win souls. I, I really, I love seeing people that, are in addiction or having a hard time. They don't even, it was just great, good, just, you know, on people here on earth, just so-called good people. And they give their life to God and their life is radically transformed through the Holy Spirit and through the word of God. And for me to see that is again, like, wow, you know, now the most exciting thing is when I get to see them bring others. Amen. When I was able to win a soul and plug them in and disciple them. And now they're here and now they're winning other people. And they're, and that and it keeps going and going and going, and now later sooner or not they got their whole family here. Their Amen. parents are here. You know they're getting married now. Their kids are here. You know what I mean? It's just it's just it's just awesome to see people's lives transform, and that's what brings me ultimate joy. Is because this is what we're called to do. We're yeah. called to to preach the gospel. We're called to share and, and make the name Jesus famous, and and that's why I find enjoyment, Pastor. I know you find enjoyment as well, Pastor Drew. Is there anything else for maybe the listeners here to? Just let them know a little bit about your job. You know, this is just so everyone knows it's not a regular yeah. job. This is a different job. You know, there's no physical work. All the work that Pastor Drew does is in the spiritual realm. It's in winning. It's casting vision. It's prayer. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I pray and I urge you. When Next time you see Pastor Drew, pray for him. I know yeah, thank his you. timely message. You know, if you're listening there and you go to our church, pray for Pastor Drew. You know, we got to pray that, you know, he has the time to pray. Uh, time for prayer, that he has time to have meetings, that he's out there. And just letting you guys know, he is out there winning souls, Amen. you know, alongside us. You know, and we're watching him and he's watching us. And so um, I'm very appreciative of you, Pastor Drew, being my pastor. Brother. It's a joy. Pastor Drew, is there anything else that you wanted to say? It's a joy. It's a joy to serve the Lord. So come on and get serving. Nice. Pastor Drew, can you pray for us? You bet our Father in heaven, you are wonderful and mighty. You are a great God that watches over us, that cares about us. We thank you for you sending your son Jesus to die on that cross. What a high price you paid. You didn't just set us free from sin. You rose from the dead. You've given us your Holy Spirit not only to cleanse us, which he does, but to empower us to live better lives, to live holy lives, to set apart lives, lives that could be a blessing to others. Help us to serve others with your joy. Like you wash the disciples' feet. Help us to have humility, to have acts of kindness, to be rich in good deeds. Thank you, Father, for the joy it is to shepherd your people. Thank you for a great people. Lord, I pray for your wisdom and discernment for myself, for Brother Jesse, for our congregation. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us the right perception. Father, I pray that we would speak wisely, that we would speak boldly. We thank you, Father, for the great work that you're currently doing in and through us and at our church and in the many churches that you're moving. Continue to have your hand of blessing upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.